What's up, Shalom Letters family? I'm your host, Melissa Collins, and the voice of Mrs. Esther Ava Hill of the Torah Town cartoon series found on YouTube. With me tonight is my co-host, Brian Newman of Let's Talk Shalom on CTN, and together we are Shalom Letters. We're a podcast where listeners can write into our show, and we provide commentary and even dream interpretation all from a biblical perspective, but with each show focusing on what the Spirit is saying to the body today. So with that being said, welcome, Brian. How are you? It's been a, a whirlwind this week, but you've had a whirlwind too. <laughs> Mine has been an amazing whirlwind. It has been just these last several days, just almost indescribable. So I'll try to refrain myself from going in too much detail, but it was been, it's been one of the best weekends ever. <laughs> awesome. We might have a, a different, uh, we might have a, a guest on soon. Yes. A noteworthy guest. A very noteworthy guest. Yes. And I'm so anxious and so nervous all at the same time, but he's super humble and super relatable. So it'll be fantastic. I just know it. It's amazing. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if I should say his name or not. I'm going to well, let you know. Maybe we let it be a surprise. Yeah, we will just let it be a surprise guest because he's committed. He actually brought it up to me again before I left. So um, anyway, we will just leave it at that until we actually have him on air. So hopefully or within our next episode or two, we will have our surprise special guest. Awesome, awesome. And, uh, Melissa's gunning for an autograph. <laughs> <laughs> If you meet someone at campsite, do you like just get on the ride it and catch up on your hamburger? Or how do you do that on the woods? What? You get an autograph out in the campsite. Is it like, you know, you get some charcoal and ride it on your camper? Or how do you get an autograph? You don't have paper and pen. <laughs> no, let me tell you, you don't go to a conference like the one I went to without paper and pen. <laughs> That's true. This is true. Awesome. Yeah, so I kind of let the cat out of the bag. Anyway, I went to a conference this past weekend um i guess i can go ahead and try to give a a cliff's notes recap of it mm -hmm. which is extremely difficult for me to do talking about anything but um went out to ava missouri so it was a what three day thursday friday saturday and sunday but it was half days on thursday and sunday a conference where um it was called bridge the gap and it was really focused on bridging the gap between our head and our hearts, between uh, ourselves and our community. Um, great agenda. There were several speakers, preachers, um, Jim Staley and Nathan Harmon and uh, Matthew Miller and Tom Campbell uh, Eddie Chummy, there were so many just amazing speakers. Uh, the best one of all was the Holy Spirit because I have just never been at a conference or anywhere 
where it was just so evident that the spirit was moving in every single speaker. It was just, you could feel it. It was just, I don't know, just one of the best experiences ever to see the amount of prayer, the amount of praise and worship, um, and seeing so many people so in tune. It was almost like an upper room experience because we had about 120 people there and everyone in one accord, just worshiping together in unity. There were no uh, arguments over different doctrines or theories or uh, pronunciations. It was just people who love God there together to worship in unity and it was just it was beautiful that's awesome and unity is big and i think if we, if we lack purpose we will create our own little thing to give ourselves purpose but when people are actually functioning in their purpose that god gave them uh, there will be a kind of a connectedness and a unity that that you don't find otherwise when you're just kind of finding something to make it your hill to die on to give you an identity you know if you do what god called you to do and the role god placed you and then he calls people together it's a whole different dynamic yeah to see so many people in tune with the spirit and being obedient to the spirit there was especially on the first night there was just this call to repentance and that's a thing that especially in our movement that you don't you don't see I cannot tell you the last time I had heard a call to repentance before this conference. And well, it's like repent of your Christmas tree and you're good from there. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. You think once that's thrown away, you know, in our movement that everybody's just righteous, holy saints, but that's not the truth. There are things that every single one of us need to repent from on a daily basis. And we got to have some really open, honest, and transparent confessions while we were there. And it was just, oh my gosh, so refreshing to see that, that you know, there are still other believers just like us who are broken and hurting and struggling. And just to see so many people just open up you know, just, you know, the compassion and sympathy. And then, you know, I mean, I can relate to these people as well. I mean, it was just, I don't know. I keep pausing because I just cannot find the right words to accurately describe how beautiful it was. And then for the the reminders of just how gracious God is and how loving God is and just, how we have Yeshua here with us to to help us in the spirit to help us through these daily trials and to forgive us. He's long suffering and merciful and forgiving. And we we don't hear enough about that in our walk. I think I was Cole Davis back when Cole was doing ministry was talking about Every time we talk to somebody, their overriding motivation in life was for God not to smite them. It was, God's mad. I don't want to make it matter. And if I do the wrong thing, he might smite me. So I'm just not going to do anything. Uh, you know, which is because a fear of doing something wrong or accidentally doing something pagan. 
or like we wouldn't go to church because there might somehow be some pagan thing and we didn't know it was pagan so we were all going to die now kind of kind of mentality and uh it's like the parable this the serve the talents the parable of the talents he was so afraid of not doing something right he just didn't do anything at all you know just buried in the dirt out of fear of not doing it right and you know getting punished for not doing it perfectly and uh but there's a, we create this movement of no grace for anybody of no forgiveness of no vulnerability because everyone around you will crucify you and then they will tell you God's going to strike you dead immediately uh, like you know some comic book with God got the lightning bolts um, then nothing ever happens nothing ever changes no one ever tries to do anything you know no one ever takes some motivation or some initiative or tries to do their calling and it just everybody suffers for it everybody's afraid to make a move because it might be wrong, you know, and then everybody's waiting to, to pounce on them if they fall. Um, you know, so as I, so much of the ministry, fivefold ministry is missing. It's because everyone's afraid of doing it wrong that they just don't do anything. So we end up with all these uh, spectators. Mm-hmm. Like you went to if you went to Missouri this weekend, and uh, the speakers there were terrified of accidentally saying the wrong thing, or someone there might not be fully tour observant, or Maybe there's there's served jello and there was some gelatin in the jello that wasn't wasn't beef gelatin, you know, or something. Then it just the whole event wouldn't happen because everybody would be so afraid of this what if maybe I'll screw something up somehow. You know, but but the, the grace to not be perfect allowed for a lot of unity and allowed for a lot of things to happen. Well, I don't want you to think that there was any compromise. There there was no, oh, no compromise. No. Yeah, 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 when it comes to uh, everything that was preached and everything that was taught, mm-hmm. it wasn't sugarcoated. Don't yeah. get me wrong. There was nothing sugarcoated. You know, there were a couple of moments where, you know, you know, maybe someone had to be called out for something or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, there were a few moments that come to mind where, you know, especially, you know, tithing was one of the things that was brought up, you know. Mm-hmm. You you can't forget that. Yeah, no, we can't in there for a reason but again mm-hmm. it just seems like our movement is super good at cherry picking oh i better wear my zeke seats but i'm not gonna tithe so yes. so there there were no there wasn't any compromise there oh no no it, i was saying there was a, there's room enough yeah. to you can people had to have the courage to go do their calling deliver their message mm-hmm. organize an event show even show up and in, the, in a graceless kind of thing you wouldn't have that people wouldn't have the courage to step out there and try to have an event or try to be a speaker or try to deliver the sermon or try to share their food with someone else or you know there's so many people are so shut down by this when there's no grace and no forgiveness and even no repentance um so it's good that you know you can have that openness with each other because that enables people empowers people to go go try go try to do things Right, and the courage, the courage that was demonstrated to actually obey the Holy Spirit, you know, even when it was, you know, I don't, I don't, again, I'm struggling for words, but, you know, (laughs) oh, it's always awkward and uncomfortable. (laughs) I don't think the Holy Spirit's ever told me to do anything that wasn't awkward and uncomfortable. But if you have a group of people around you that aren't waiting to just jump you, if you do the smallest thing wrong, you know, you can have the courage to follow that. Like, you know, well, the Spirit's telling me to do this and I'll be okay if I don't precisely get it right. Or if it looks weird to people, you know, they might have some grace for me. 
Mm-hmm. They might bear with me a little bit because they know I'm trying to do what I feel led to do or called to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But we should, we should be obedient to the spirit, you know, even in those uncomfortable situations when we, even when we are around those people who may not understand or, or be so kind about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It just makes it easier when you have a group of believers that are all on the same page and encouraging each other to do their calling, you know, mm-hmm. encouraging each other to take some action steps. Yeah. So that was one of the reasons that it was just so absolutely refreshing is just there were no arguments. There were, you know, there wasn't any discord. I mean, it was just a great group of people who were just there to worship and learn and, you know, everyone just loved Yahweh. It was just a beautiful time. And, you know, I said, I said Yahweh, but everyone there had different pronunciations. Mm-hmm. And there was just, you know, that's fine. We are still all in the same family. We are still all branches on the same vine. So it was it, just an amazing, amazing event and weekend. And I cannot wait until the next one. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And the beauty of everybody doing what they're called to do. Like if you feel led to evangelize, you feel led to intercede, if you feel led to teach or, you know, people, people doing their calling. Everybody brings something like in the New Testament church. It was everybody had a, had to bring something. You bring a song or a word or an understanding. You know, everybody had to bring something. You had to show up with something. And I'll go, I'll talk about it just a little bit more. Um, yeah, I've already talked about, you know, just the spirit, but I'll, I'll have to, I love, I really enjoyed seeing the spirit side of Jim Staley, which I've, you know, had been starting to reveal itself quite a bit. You know, I follow Jim's ministry pretty closely um, since his, he calls it his release from his higher learning facility. But, you know, just to see him that raw at this, at this conference was amazing I'd never really seen that side of Jim and then but you know he was still there he was still teaching and still doing the Jim Saley thing you know with um, looking for the deeper meaning and looking at it through the the Hebraic perspective and what each word and what each letter means so definitely that side of him was still there which and then on the other side you had Nathan Harmon who's a wonderful teacher too but has such a grasp on the Holy Spirit and just the passion with what he preaches. Oh my goodness. It was just like looking at a modern day Elijah. You know, I was just waiting for him to call fire down from heaven. It was just, oh my gosh. And and so contagious, his passion for God and his passion for Jesus and the word is just contagious and you cannot sit in front of him and not be inspired to go out and change the world. <laughs> He's a sender. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, like the, the evangelistic gifting with, um, well, they both kind of have an evangelistic gifting just using different ways, but um, Jim Staley definitely has more of a teaching calling. Or originally, and people can move callings, you know, throughout their life, but more of a teaching calling. And, and Nathan, when I met Nathan before, he seemed more of an evangelist. 
as his primary, like his most natural thing is to be an evangelist. And then um, they just grow in and maturing through those things. Like if he's moving the spirit that much, it might be called the more of even, even of a, a prophetic role later on. Um, I forgot that you had met him with, <laughs> I guess, Justin and Laura, right? Yeah, Justin and Laura McCullough at one ministry down in, um, well, yeah, we're at LAJ. LEJ Georgia at a fairgrounds near LEJ. Uh, they had this tent, tent, literal tent set up. Uh, Tommy Campbell came down. I met Tommy a few times. Uh, Nathan was there. Tony Boyot, Exodus Road Band, was there. I met Tony a couple of times, and his wife made some wonderful soup. <laughs> She's a great cook. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Justin and Laura were there. My friend John came up in Atlanta. So it was really cool. But I've met him, but I've kind of seen, like, from what when I met him before and even what you're describing now. Is almost his evolution from evangelist to prophetic. From like, you know, let's tell all the people who don't know about Jesus about Jesus to let's inspire the people to be closer to God and to go out and make these reforms that are needed. Not reforms like, you know, guys don't get any more tattoos or something, but like reforms like, okay, we really need to, to move forward beyond the basics. We need to take care of each other better, take care of... Uh, you know, our spiritual family better. We need to be mindful of the needs of the people in the world around us. We're like this reformer kind of thing, like um, someone who restores like a godly standard. Because the prophets are always like, you know, what you're doing is great, but you need to work on this over here. We need to shore this up. We need to build this up. We need to we need to move further, move deeper, and kind of purify uh, the movement almost. And supply what's lacking. So that's what the prophets always did. Uh, like in Isaiah 58, you know, they're, they're keeping the Day of Atonement or they're keeping the Sabbath, one of the two. And then, you know, that's great, but they're not taking care of the orphan, fatherless, or widow. And Isaiah comes in in Isaiah 58 and he's like, well, you know, you're doing this one thing, but this other here has to be done. The weightier matters. And that's the role of the prophetic is to bring that in, bring that consciousness of, you know, what's really important in. And Nathan's. So my little evolution I've seen from like, you know, pretty much an evangelist, like a straight evangelist, to moving more into that prophetic role where he's he's previously talking to people outside the church and now he's more talking to people within the body. So uh he's got growing in that. And Jim Staley is doing something similar with goes from like the teaching, like almost like an evangelism, like a Christian evangelism, like evangelizing Christians with the Hebrew roots. Uh, the Torah to um, move into like a teaching phase, and now it seems like he's moving into more of a prophetic stage as well. Well, you know, we have to worship in spirit and in truth, and our, our movement has been really heavy on this on the truth side and mm-hmm. very lacking in the spirit side. And this weekend, in my opinion, was the perfect balance of both. And that's that's where we see the real growth, you know, because we can't just stay top heavy for, you know, or left left side of the truth, right side of the spirit. You know, it's like a car that's driving down the road with two wheels off the ground because it's so uneven. Yeah, you're you're not not, going anywhere. (laughs) You're not going very far with that. I mean, in the Air Force, you had to balance an an airplane like a a cargo plane. They had to balance it perfectly with the weight or the plane just going to tilt and tilt and go to the ground. It was very, very important to be equally balanced on both sides of the plane. And that's where kind of the Hebrew roots went. We were wrong. We got so truth heavy or so knowledge heavy or so teacher heavy. 
that either we have to bring in all these other people and they have different giftings and make a room for them. And I think it happens somewhat, but also too, some of the people that were teachers uh, have learned to operate more in the spirit side, but you know, maybe Jim Staley, for example, very heavy in the truth side, but learned to supplement on the spirit side. So it's not just, okay, you have a teacher here and a prophet here, but you have the people within the movement have both. They're balanced within themselves. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That does make sense. So, so it's like coming to the fullness. We know about the fullness of the Gentiles, but there's also like the fullness of the individual. Or, you know, he, Jesus told the Samaritan woman, spirit, worship in spirit and truth. He didn't tell her, pick one, truth or spirit. He said, I want you to worship spirit and truth. The people that are coming to this well, they're going to worship in spirit and truth simultaneously instead of it being either or. It's like just maturing. You know, you can see the see the branch come up with the fruits later on the fruits of the spirit are later on but you can see the branch popping up so it's i feel like what you told me with the, the your weekend you had was like a it's like the movement's maturing in a lot of ways which is very encouraging to see you witness this maturing this evidence of the maturing of the Torah movement well, we're moving beyond just sabbath and feasts we're moving on to the spirit side of things and we're moving on to the fruits of the spirit and we're moving on to having a bigger purpose than just like four or five basic laws. You know, we got to reach the world. We've got to take care of each other. We're, we're it was like a child maturing into a grown up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of the children, so I thought I was done talking about the conference this weekend. Um, so at one point, yeah, I'm sure the tent was set up probably in a similar fashion for this conference as it was for the one that you were at. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll do my best to try to ex- explain with my words. Um, but there was like a stage set up with the worship equipment. And then there was this area between the stage. Did I say worship equipment with musical instruments <laughs> between there and so far as the worship equipment? <laughs> there you go. So there was this area between the stage uh, and then the the folding chairs where, you know, everybody, you know, I'm one of those people, I, I have to be walking, you know, while I'm talking. So mm-hmm. there was this area you know, where they could move back and forth and then call people up, you know, for prayer or whatever. And of course, there was, you know, electrical wires, you know, extension cords, things like that, things like that, you know across that area too which you know would pose as a trip hazard and occasionally you know a kid or something would just you know run from one side of the tent to the other and obviously take the shortest route which would have been through there (laughs) and so at one point uh during the conference there was an announcement made uh, you know look we don't really want anyone to get hurt there are trip hazards here so you know if you don't care to try to you know minimalize that risk trying not to let the children you know run back and forth through this area and I believe it was Nathan who then later on that evening um, felt led to have the children come up because so many children in our movement can recite the Shema Mm -hmm. they can even recite it in Hebrew but yet they don't know John three sixteen. They don't have a good grasp on who Yeshua is because we have been as parents so focused 
on the front of the book and so focused on getting to the Hebrew root of everything that we, in a lot of instances, not saying everyone, but in a lot of instances, we have failed the children on really introducing them to Yeshua. Mm -hmm. So he feels compelled to bring the kids up to pray over the kids. And so all the, all the kids are up there in the grassy part and, you know, they're sitting and Nathan's, you know, down on their level and, and praying for the children. And, um, I believe then the parents come up behind the children and the parents pray for their children. And then, then he has a, I don't remember if he asked or if the kids just did it, but the kids begin to pray for their parents. And at that moment, something happened something just spiritual and miraculous it was i was in I, th- I know i was in tears i think everyone else was in tears um but these kids some of them were, were going up and getting the microphone and just praising the lord and how much they love jesus and just declaring him king and declaring him their savior just boldness i'm talking like you know, even like four and five-year-olds, small children going up there and making these declarations. And then these kids break off in prayer groups and they begin going around to the pastors, to the worship team on their own accord. Well, by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, obviously, go around and start making their own prayer circles and laying hands on people. I mean, it was just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And it didn't stop. I don't remember if that was Friday night. Yeah, I guess it had to be Friday night, I suppose. I may be wrong on the date, but it didn't stop there. The next day, it continued. I know there were two little boys in particular who were twins, who just, the spirit was just oozing out of them. And, you know, even... Like I said, day two, like they were walking in their calling. They just felt so comfortable and so led. Uh, and then on Saturday night, um, there was a, there was another little boy kind of walking in that same way. Uh, there was a woman who had been battling suicidal thoughts. And I was sitting next to this little boy, again, probably five years old. And once... He, like, he understood. I don't, I mean, I I don't know how a five-year-old could really understand. But, like, he he knew in his, and he, like, I watched him because he was sitting in the chair next to me. Like, his spirit was prompting him to get up, and he struggled with it for a second. And then finally, he just, I'm talking, he just only struggled with it for seconds. And finally, he goes over there, and he gets, like, super close to her, and he's on his knees. And he's like reaching his hand out toward her, but not touching her. And then he struggled with that for a second. And then finally he was just like laying hands on her. And he was just praying over this woman who had had suicidal thoughts. And it was just so touching. I spent most, I spent a lot of the weekend in tears. I was just so moved. And that's the kind of things we need to see. You know, it's... Growth, development, maturity, and the people coming to a deeper revelation or a full understanding, or it's it's migrated, you know, like a flock of birds. It has to migrate from your head to your heart, as they say. 
and I mm. think that's and it gives you hope for the next generation you know like we're not just gonna our kids aren't gonna be in the living room for 30 years from now arguing about who you say the name and having a potluck and going home you know there's <laughs> gonna be something fuller and richer available to them and they can hopefully with the spirits with them bypass a lot of the things we went through you know all mm. this division and all this stuff they can hopefully bypass that you know, they'll start out with the knowledge. They don't have to wake up when they're 40 years old and say, oh, my gosh, Easter eggs are pagan. You know, they don't have to do that. They know that from day one. So since they had the foundation already, they already had the knowledge. Then they can move forward, uh, you know, and would take go further than we went at an earlier age because they had the knowledge and they had the spirit with it right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. Oh, so anyway, I will try to refrain myself from going back to that. But, you know, like you said, that certainly does bridge the gap, you know, between our head and our hearts. And um, it just it was the perfect theme for the entire weekend. Um, but you had said something earlier about um, the the different people, you know, walking in their calling. So it made me think of the fivefold ministry. And I know that's something that had been weighing on both of our hearts lately. Um, so do you, do you want to take a few minutes and, and talk about that? And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe what that is for some of our audience, maybe first off, explain what that is to some of our listeners who may not be fully aware of that. Yes, I need to look the verse up, uh, but it talks about it several times in the New Testament. I think it's Ephesians four eleven, and I, I say that because I come right. from the beauty shop, and I was reading Ephesians while I was there. <laughs> that that is the one. So I have a basically a math disability. I get um, it's like dyslexia, but with numbers. So I will, I will flip numbers in a sequence. So I hate quoting things sometimes because I can't, you know, until like the chapter and verse crossed up easily. Uh, but yeah, it was Ephesians 4. And um, Paul's kind of laying out church government, church structure to Ephesians. And Ephesians were as pagan as pagan gets. Uh, Ephesus was the capital of the New Age in the entire ancient world. So these people had no concept of like the Jewish temple and how this works and... Also, when everybody gets kicked out of the Sanhedrin, you know, everything went from being your bloodline to who you are in the spirit. You know, it wasn't you were born a Levite temple singer or you're born a gatekeeper or you're born one of these guys that carries the ark around or you were born a scribe. You know, you weren't born into you weren't given your assignment based upon who your parents were anymore mm-hmm. or even upon your genetics. So all of a sudden there's this whole new system because we don't have the temple we're working with. And we don't have Levites, and you're not born a temple singer, you're not born a scribe, you're not born this, that, or that, or born a king. So, uh, you know, what do, what do we all do now? Um, and Paul has to like, you know, because you guys have something to do. You know, you have a mission, you have a purpose. And the fivefold ministry kind of explains that. And there's lots of views on it. Uh, Daniel Kalinda's got a really good video on the fivefold. And his view of the fivefold is to get all of Jesus, we have to take all the fivefold ministry and have it working together. It's like the church as a whole is by Messiah, you know, eyes and ears and feet and, and the fivefold, every individual makes the body of Messiah. And then the fivefold works like that too. Like some are the hands, some of the feet, some of the eyes, and you got to put them all together to be the represent, fully represent Christ to the world. You have to put these things together. So there's evangelists, teachers, pastors, 
prophets and apostles. And people have varying views on these things. But for those who've been in the military, it's a, there's kind of easy breakdown of some of it. Or if those who have been in business or understand business. So you start out with the evangelist. The evangelist is the first person a non-believer is going to meet. The evangelist is the kingdom recruiter. If you're in the military, this would be the recruiter that recruited you into the armed forces to fight for the king. So the evangelist is the one that brings people into the kingdom. His burning passion, his burning desire, as John Paul Jackson says, give me souls lest I die, is he has to find people that are unsaved and bring them into covenant, bring them into the kingdom. That's his job. Find the unsaved, work with the unsaved outside the church, and bring them into covenant. Evangelists are usually incredibly outgoing, and a lot of times they've had a really difficult past. Every evangelist I've known, almost every evangelist I've known, was really bad on drugs and alcohol at some point. And -hmm. I think the reason that is, is if they've been so desperate for something, that they would just overcome all awkwardness, all shyness. They would be absolutely bold in fulfilling this need they had. Well, when they have a need for souls, when they have a need to evangelize, it's equally bold. It's equally desperate. And uh, they can talk to people most of the church can't reach. They can tell the guy on the street. They can tell the unsaved, I've been where you're at. They can tell people who didn't grow up in church, I've been where you're at. So mm-hmm. the evangelists are usually marked by extreme extroversion because they have to constantly meet new people. So the evangelist is the recruiter or in the, in the, in the business world, it might be the sales department, like cold calling, you know, reaching out to new customers. And then you go up to the teacher. The teacher is like a trainer in the military. It's like, you know, be like a boot camp instructor or like your trainer at your tech school. Or if you're in corporate, it's like a trainer at your job, the corporate trainer. And the job of the teacher is to help give you the mind of Christ. It's to give you the mind of Messiah, to help you look at the world the way he looks at it on an intellectual level, as far as, you know, understanding the scriptures, to help you fulfill the law, to help you understand the word of God. That's the role of the teacher. The teacher primarily interacts with knowledge. The evangelist interacts with the unsaved. The teacher interacts with knowledge. And his he's passionate about the scriptures. He's passionate about the scriptures being accurately taught. They're usually more intellectual because they interact with knowledge 90% of the time and 10% of the time they pass the knowledge on. So they're more intellectual. That's the next step. This is the person you got saved. Now, this is the person that trains you to understand the instructions from the king. Uh, moving on from that, you have a pastor. A pastor is usually more of a group person. They're comfortable in groups. Uh, they work within the church. The people that are saved, the pastor is now shepherding them, taking care of their heart. You know, grace, mercy, forgiveness, loyalty, all these kingdom values, these kingdom principles. It's like a parent. It's like a father that has to teach the children the, the principles, the house rules. But he's in the principles. He teaches them um, how to relate to each other. The pastor largely teaches a relationship, how to have a relationship with God, how a relationship with each other. That's what pastors do. And it might be like a store manager in a business sense or in the military. It's like your, your sergeant, your platoon leader. He's over a small group. And it keeps that group together and teaches that group how to interact with the larger, the, the larger purpose inside the building. Their pastors are very committed to the building, to their local area. They just don't travel a lot. They go to this congregation and they're usually in the building and they're usually sticking with that group of people. They're very loyal to that group they have. The evangelist is all about new strangers all the day, all the time, traveling around, meeting strangers. That's what they do. And the pastor is more... 
I'm staying here and I'm loyal to this group of people that I know that I grew up with easily. Easily pastors are people that grew up in that town, like a mayor on the spiritual level. And then um, we move on to the prophet, which is a little more of an iffy thing. Uh, so if you're what we call a cessationist, someone who doesn't believe that, you know, God speaks through dreams and visions and such today, uh, the prophet for them might be like an elder. This is someone that conveys the heart of God that helps like what God is passionate about. They're passionate about, you know, like they're in the military is like a first sergeant in a corporate world. It might be like a board of directors. They keep things in line with the mission and they're kind of the voice of morality the voice of, okay, this is our standard. These are our boundaries. These are our ethics. But if you're a um, continualist, which is someone that believes the gifts of God are for the day, like dreams, visions, tongues, etc., you would view the prophet as someone who's hearing from God and is, is God's giving direction and guidance and purpose for the congregation. And sometimes for the outside people, usually for the congregation and for the pastor and for the teachers is He's the one that's the voice of, of God's heart. Say that we're missing something important here. And sometimes it's predictive prophecy. It's, well, this will happen in two weeks. So save up food or pay the mortgage off or, you know, that. And sometimes they're the voice of discernment. That person's got Jezebel spirit, you know, you know, don't let them in leadership. Or we call it narcissism today. But this person, the prophet might discern that kind of thing on someone. Or the prophet might help discern someone's giftings. Or that someone's called here or called there or called to work in children's church or called to work that place. Uh, he would discern these things where the spirit kind of is tugging him and the congregation. And when there's something's wrong, the prophet calls it out. Prophets have a lot of frictions with churches because there's, they're the ones that are kind of outside the system meant to bring correction. Like they're the fail safe. If the entire congregation is going wrong the wrong way, the prophet's the one that has to speak up and say, look, guys, stop. Um, you know, there's the apostle. The apostle's also interesting. If you're a continual, if you're a cessationist, the apostle's like a church planner. It's someone that might go out to the, the jungles in, in uh, Peru and there's not anybody there saved. So the apostle has to start from scratch and gather all the people, train all the people, equip all the people, and appoint all the people. He walks in the authority to appoint people to their positions. Like okay, all the five people in this room are unsaved, and and there's no one evangelized them before. There's no churches here, so the apostle will go out and do what hasn't been done before. Like the apostle Paul said, he doesn't want to lay on someone else's foundation, so he's going to take these five people, get them. He's going to act like an evangelist, get them saved. He's going to act like a teacher, teaching the word of God. He's going to act like a pastor and help them build their character and relationships. He's going to act like a prophet and help give them God's vision for their life, what they need to do. And then he's going to be the apostolic thing and set the structure up. The apostle works with the structure uh, to get that going. And if you're a continualist, someone who believes in the gifts, the apostle might have a lot more authority in the spirit, you know, cast out demons or uh, say this person's supposed to be a pastor, that person's supposed to be evangelist, this person's supposed to be a teacher, and appoint them to those roles. So the apostle appoints people to where they need to be, and he also builds the structure out of nothing. He's in charge of the structure, interacts with the structure. And um, they, they all work together beautifully, but they have different commitments. The evangelist is committed to the unsaved. The teacher is committed to knowledge or the, to the scriptures. The pastor is committed to the congregation. The prophet is committed to the spirit. And the apostles committed to the structure or the organization. 
and if you look at it in a uh, a, a military term, the prophet, the prophet, uh, the apostles like a general. He appoints the colonels and mayors and all these people, these different divisions. We look in a business sense. The apostle's the entrepreneur. He goes in where there's never been a McDonald's before. So he introduces these people to what a McDonald's is. He builds a McDonald's. He trains the milkshake guy and the fry guy and the cashier. And he trains the manager and appoints one of them to be a manager. And then he goes off and he builds another McDonald's and appoints another cashier and fry guy and manager. And then he goes off and builds another one. He travels a lot. And sometimes in like the more conservative movements, an apostle is like a bishop and he's a pastor of pastors. The apostle appoints the pastors. He removes the pastors. He um, keeps an eye on this larger structure, like an overseer. He might be over five or 10 churches. And, and some people call it a bishop. And so the apostles got a lot of different terms and roles and people have different views on that. But the general concept is, if you break it down real simple, an evangelist is a recruiter, a teacher is a trainer, a pastor is a general manager of that specific location. The prophets, like the board of, board of directors, they can remove people, appoint people, say when something's getting, out, getting off course, maintain the vision of the company. And then the, uh, the apostles like the CEO or the entrepreneur in a business sense. So that's, that's a kind of a complicated breakdown, but that's uh, the basics of it. Yeah, that's a great breakdown. I really love the uh, analogy of how you compared it to how a business is set up. I mean, I believe that's something that anyone listening can relate to. Um, And it, it kind of really opened my eyes because you were like speaking to me through that because, you know, in one sense, evangelism is like what my heart is like screaming for to do in this season. And if you look at where my professional earthly career has been, it's been in sales and recruiting. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. That's perfect. That it lines answers, up. yeah, that answers a lot of questions. <laughs> oh, people are so lost about what does God want me to do? What's my mission? And the church doesn't provide a lot of direction unless you go to seminary first. But sometimes the problem is like, the congregate denominations denominations are divided by fivefold calling they're supposed to all be in the same building but we have them all separated like if you're an evangelist you become a baptist if you're a prophetic you become a pentecostal if you're apostolic you might go like an ame church or something um if you're a teacher you'll go like you become like a presbyterian or methodist you know very very scholarly and we've divided the fivefold ministry callings into different buildings and you can't have a McDonald's when the when the milkshake guys on the east side of town and the fry guys on the south side of town and the, the one who runs the cash registers and cash registers on the north side of town. You know, if you have a McDonald's building with 50 cashiers in it and no one knows how to run a milk, milkshake machine, it's not going to be very effective. Well, it's broken anyway. Oh, it's always broken to begin <laughs> with. Exactly. And that's why it's broken no, it's a- they don't have a milkshake guy. It was a horrible <laughs> uh, for a joke. Sorry. No, it, it's perfectly now. It's broken. There's no milkshake guy. No one knows how to fix this machine. We don't have anyone to operate this way here. They can fix this thing. So we just don't use it. And that's some of the, maybe some more charismatic churches, they don't use teachers. Well, that's uh, our, our teaching machine is broken and no one here knows how to fix it because we chased them off. Uh, so we just got to go without educational milkshakes. And then uh, we can go across so town to like a, I'm so sorry. 
a, a denominational, like a, more of a non-spirit-filled church, uh, it might be like, well, our prophetic machine is broken. No one near knows how to fix it. In fact, we smashed it and threw it in the fire. Uh, so I'm sorry. <laughs> we don't do that here. No prophetic milkshake for you. Just wander around, and if you got demons, and I don't know, we'll send you to a therapist. Uh, but, you know, because they don't do that. It's broken. We don't have a person here that does that, and we don't want a person here that does that. So you always end up with something missing. You can go to the charismatic church and, and miss the educational part sometimes, or you can go to like a very Protestant evangelical conservative church and miss the prophetic. Either way you go, you're missing something that's very necessary mm-hmm. because the whole building is full of people that just do one thing. You know, this is, this is the milkshake machine. No, this is the milkshake machine building. This is the French fry building. That's the burger building over there. But you can't get all to one place. But you're supposed to. You know, you get the whole spiritual value menu. You go to a functioning church. Oh my gosh, that's so funny about the value menu. Yeah, it was far more nutritional, hopefully. And sometimes people have prophetic people. They just don't, they won't accept the title. So like if you're prophetic in a Baptist church, you're probably an elder because you're always providing the direction, keeping everything within the boundaries. Your job is to keep the pastor from going off the rails, like a first sergeant in the military would do, uh, or the board of directors of a corporation. They just won't, they don't like the word prophet. So you end up becoming an elder or they don't like the word apostle. So you end up becoming a church planner or, or a bishop or these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. So our ministry is obviously uh, a little different as, you know, we do not have a physical uh, church building, you know, for for us, for you and I. You know, you have your own congregation that you attend in Tennessee. I have my own congregation that I attend uh, in Cave City, Kentucky. But as far as what you and I do with our media ministry... We don't have our own physical church building since we were an outreach ministry. You know, we do outreach and uh, local events. We do outreach through our podcasts. We do uh, social media outreach through YouTube and TikTok and Facebook and all of the things. Yeah, we're we're a media. We're a media ministry. We're like a media (laughs) outreach, and also you're the homeless ministry. You and Chad Mm -hmm. started and brought in, so we're we're an outreach. Absolutely. So uh, do you care to explain to our audience how we fit into that five-fold ministry model? So we have, there's just two of us, obviously not five of us, well, Chad's here too. Uh, so there's three of us, not five of us. Um, so we were kind of functioning as largely a teaching ministry. Even with my, my television show, it started out like, yeah, we're going to talk about Jewish roots of Christianity and then they kind of morphed into talking about different things, homeless outreaches and addiction ministry and, you know, deliverance, and all these different things. And uh, you were doing largely evangelism. You know, you, you and Chad go out, you feed the homeless and you bring them care packages and you pray with them. And you were filling the evangelist role. But I've had people come to me like for pastoral stuff. And you have people come to you for pastoral stuff, like counseling kind of things. And, and uh, you were both good at it. And I have some paperwork behind it or life coaching and peer support and my master's degree and all this, but I don't have the time to do it. And I'm not in this pastoral season right now. Uh, and we also don't have someone on board that's prophetic. Like if someone came in and came to me and it's like, I think you have a 
spirit of fear, which is different from paranoia. There's a real actual spiritual force that makes people terrified. Um, I can tell them what they have, but I don't know what to do with that. So we're like a media outreach, you and I, and we've been reaching people and also building bridges. So we've been reaching people that are outside the church and people reach people inside the church. And we've been building bridges between people for a long time now. Like on the TV mm-hmm. show, I have someone on. It's like, it's my friend Angie. She has this kind of ministry. It's my friend Michelle. She has this kind of ministry. So I introduce the general audience to these people's ministries and what they offer and what they need help with. And we've been doing, we've been building bridges like that for a while, uh, but in an in informal way. And, you know, you have people on the podcast we interview. You're going to interview some, some people doing great things soon where you build those bridges. But, um, it's been like an unofficial loose way, but what we want to do now is, is put on Melissa's heart to partner with and affiliate with certain ministries that do things we don't do, like a go-to person, because we do this one thing that they're lacking, but they do these other things we're lacking. Um, does that make sense? I can't yeah. talk in a circle. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know? So, uh, yeah, so we, Melissa and I build bridges. That's what we do. We connect people with information and we connect people with the people that they need to know and with the ministries that are doing the things that need to be done and we connect them, but that's what we do. We, we build bridges, but we're not pastors and we're not prophets and we're not apostles. And she's mostly an evangelist and I'm mostly a teacher, but even with teaching, I don't speak speak enough greek or hebrew to to advise someone on the translation of something um so for that purpose we have endeavored to uh connect people direct, correct connect more directly with people in those fivefold callings and i'm gonna put them on the website soon um so melissa you want to tell how you got the the notion how they got inspiration the revelation that, that was needed I think it was, was it last when you came back from the conference on the way there? Well, you know, that had been a topic that we had been talking about now. I mean, you can go back and play some of our podcasts. We've mentioned it, I know, at least at least twice mm-hmm. in the podcast that that was, you know, something that we'd been thinking about and studying about. And, you know, we wanted to do a podcast covering that topic. So that topic happened to be fresh on my heart and my mind. And then lo and behold, you think it was a coincidence that that was one of the topics covered this weekend at the Bridge the Gap event in uh, in Ava, Missouri. So um, one of the things that I really got to experience this weekend was just a very uh, heightened, amplified a sense of the only giftings that I'm really aware that I have, you know, one being a spirit of discernment Mm -hmm. and then other times, sometimes I just get these words Mm -hmm. that I feel just that I get this pounding in my chest and this little bitty voice. It was like, okay, go tell this person you know, whatever. Sometimes it's go pray for this person. Sometimes it's go pray for this person and say this. And so this weekend, it was, I just really got to experience that. And so I was, you know, still had my heart in that place of prayer and worship. And as I was driving home, it was really on my heart about the fivefold ministry. And so I know when it, when it hit me, 
so hard and I was getting that pounding in my chest. That was when I was messaging you, hey, we need to talk about this like now. <laughs> so um, so that was when you and I got on the phone and I'm like, okay, this is who I feel like the Lord is telling me we need to partner with. And so um, Brian, you know, a lot of you guys know Brian as an introvert. He's really not. He has a boldness about him at times when I don't have that. Only with famous people. (laughs) When I don't have that boldness, Brian does. (laughs) So he just immediately, you know, starts messaging people and calling people. And every person that I had um, gotten that download that we needed to work with has agreed to partner with us in that manner. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it was really needed. I just felt like we're just kind of drifting out here now. And we talked about it before, but Melissa kind of hit the nail on the head because we I had uh, discussed giftings, like trying to figure out what our giftings are. And people move through, according to Daniel Kalinda, uh, at least people move through giftings or callings. So I felt like you might start out evangelist, and then a year later, you're a teacher, and then five years later, you're a pastor. You can, you know, grow through all these stages, and like a fully mature believer can do all the functions. So I was telling Melissa, she's pastoral. She's like, no. I'm like, well, I've seen you be pastoral plenty of times. Because uh, when we met, she was very pastoral. It was, uh, you know, she's doing YouTube videos to women and, you know, with women and counseling people all the time. Like, you're pastoral. But uh, before I met her, she was always traveling. Well, well, when I met her, she was always traveling for insurance. And always meeting strangers and always traveling for insurance. And then uh, Chad came along and her and Chad were doing this homeless outreach. And she really got on fire as an evangelist. So she's done some pastoral and she can definitely do it. But um, really got on fire with the evangelism part. And then she was telling me about some things recently at the, the conference. I'm like, that sounds like prophetic. Like you're feeling God's heart for someone else because the role of the prophet is to be the friend of God. And that's to feel someone, feel God's heart for someone to understand how God feels and to convey that. And, you know, there's a lot of goofiness around the word prophet. There's, you can have a gifting. Everyone's got the gifting to some level, but then there's to be appointed to it. There's to be anointed in it or God gives an extra dosage of oomph for you. And there's to be appointed for it within a church or a state or a region or something. So there's a prophetic gifting everyone has and uh, to some level, but Melissa's seemed to got amped up this weekend <laughs> or for, for at least a temporarily, maybe permanently, she got stepped into the role a prophetic role of having a message from God's heart for someone else that she had no way of knowing in the natural that goes further than evangelism. It's more than just get saved. There's a whole other layer. She totally felt God's heart for someone and understood the situation in the spiritual realm and what spiritual forces were at work in order to act upon it. And that's what a prophetic person does, really. And uh, you stepped into that, you know, but you have this business acumen, too, where you could step into an apostolic one day where you could, you know, you're entrepreneurial. You chatter both entrepreneurial. So that might be in your future, too. But people go through these things. But we realize that she's mostly been functioning as an evangelist and in some ways I've mostly been functioning as a teacher, but the pastoral is not there. It's like people, like I said, people come up to us and like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, 
I'm doing some life coaching, which is kind of pastoral, but, uh, mm-hmm. or like prophetic, like I, you know, I can see what's going on with someone, but I don't know what to do about it. If it's a spiritual force, that's fighting them. Uh, so that's when we decided to bring some other people in that are people we know, other uh, people are kind of known in their field as being somewhat accredited, basically, uh, like for for teaching stuff like Jonathan Brown, he used to be NRF, uh, Kehillat Yeshua, uh, helped me and Jonathan, some other guys actually started a congregation. Jonathan has a master's degree in biblical languages. I taught myself to read Greek when I was 14. Like I can tell you what the word is. I just can't tell you what it means or how to conjugate it. But Jonathan Brown has a full scale degree. He's got a master's degree, I believe already. And he just graduated in biblical languages, Greek and Hebrew. So if I had a question about um, what some ancient Hebrew words that he could definitely tell me because he's a teacher, he's through and through a teacher, you know, specialized in it, trained in it, accredited in it. And uh, we have the McCullough's, Justin and Laura. Um, They are in LAJ, Georgia, one ministry, and they're both very uh, pastoral. Uh, they both have a personal, some personal life experience, I believe, with addiction, with trauma, uh, with deliverance, but also as the focus of their ministry is like addiction and trauma and intercession and also um, building bridges between people groups. Like they've mostly been working with the Native American population lately to like heal that wound between the Native Americans and the Caucasians and that reconciliation ministry, which is all very pastoral. So if someone needs pastoral stuff, I would probably you know call them up or just say, hey, can you, you know, you need to talk to Justin Laura instead of talking to me. Um, and for prophetic, my friend Michelle Reimer at Fairhaven Counseling, she's going to kill me. Training and Equipping Center. I keep calling it Counseling Center. Fairhaven Training and Equipping Center. <laughs> I've known Michelle for a couple of years as well. Like I've known Justin, Laura, and Jonathan for years. And uh, Michelle, like, you need intercession, deliverance. She's on it. She will explain it to you, tell you what you're dealing with, how to get rid of it. You know, she'll do that. So uh, with the evangelism role, we're looking at that part too. And I know a lot of great evangelists like Nathan Harmon, P.D. Van Der Vesthuis, and there's a lot of uh, people. And the tour movement are actually very skilled evangelists we have not made use of. So uh, if we have someone that would function as evangelist, there would be someone who helps with outreaches. Maybe we have a tent set up in the homeless camp. They would come and preach uh, to the unbeliever, the unsaved. And they would kind of help us coordinate these things and kind of train us because the role of the fivefold is the fivefold doesn't actually even go out as much. The fivefold kind of trains the people in the church to go out and do the things. It's like the teacher trains you in the Bible so you can talk to the talk Bible to people. The evangelist trains you in event and trains you in evangelism so you can go and evangelize people. These are the people that train everyone in the building to do the different things so you can go out and reach the world. So uh, we have some people we affiliated with for teaching and for pastoral care and for the prophetic kind of role and uh, seeking some mentorship and apostolic. And uh, so we're going to work with some people on the evangelistic too. So that is just a few of the exciting things going on with their ministry. Of course, we, you know, have a exciting special guest coming up. Um, hopefully we will get that scheduled in the next few days then we have another guest uh, who's going to be on our show within a couple of weeks who's heading up a um, fantastic event 
out of Knoxville with some big name Torah teachers that are going to be there. Um, so she will be our first interview, um, actual, I guess you would say, call her the organizer of that event. And then hopefully mm-hmm. that'll, uh, spearhead into some additional interviews for our show. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got an outreach that Brian and I are going to, we've just kind of got some of the ideas in the planning stage that, uh, we are working on for this fall. Um, another project that we're working on right now is an event calendar. So as you guys know, this is the time that we're recording this. This is Tuesday before Memorial Day weekend. And I'm wondering, what am I doing this weekend? So (laughs) in my own need, I found a project that was very needed for our movement. So there's just not really a one-stop shop place to go figure out what's going on this weekend so um if you are listening and you have some sort of event doesn't necessarily have to be hebrew roots um prefer it be messianic (laughs) but as long as you love jesus and you're having an event let us know i would love to have it put on um, the calendar that we are working on so as as that project develops we'll have more information and obviously i will I will get that out there on all of the platforms. So, so anything, that'd be great. I'm, anything I'll, I'm leaving out. Oh, I was about to say it's a great idea of the calendar because so many people don't have Facebook anymore because, mm-hmm. you know, it can be politicized. Uh, just have, you know, we could have it on our website, I believe, uh, yeah. the website. Uh, and then you can just go and see like the conference you're at. Even Missouri, I wouldn't know anything about it unless you told me because there's a Missouri Facebook group, but I'm not, I don't live in Missouri. Uh, or some things to just travel around like, maybe Nathan Harmon's speaking schedule. We could load that on there so you can go on there and see if someone's going to be in your area eventually. Mm-hmm. Or a yeah. few tabernacles, you know, pop a few of those up on there if they're open to the public. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, you know, Josh Aaron was in the States a while back and, you know, he had two relatively close, um, I don't know if they were concerts, we'll call them appearances, near me and I missed both of them. <laughs> so I was... So disheartened. I miss both of them. But, you know, next time, you know, that like schedules like that, even, you know, Phil Wickham, who's not necessarily um, Torah observant, but, you know, he's near and dear to my heart. So that, I mean, that's another schedule. It keeps the weightier parts of it, at least. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. So, um, you know, those are some other ideas of things that, that we will probably have on the calendar. That way you will know if someone fantastic or something fantastic is going on in your neck of the woods. Absolutely. Oh, awesome. With the lady that you're invited to, uh, who's hosting the conference. It's like, uh, that's definitely an apostolic thing to do is to arrange <laughs> a conference and host it. So speaking yeah. of fivefold. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so one last thing before we close, um, I just want to take a minute and acknowledge and we need to be in prayer for the parents today at that elementary school in Texas. When the news broke today, I was reading some of the news articles online and the very first article I read came out before the parents had been contacted. Oh, and gosh. oh my goodness. 
that hit me so hard. So we just, we remember those parents tonight. Our heart is breaking for them. So uh, when you close this out tonight in prayer, do you care to, to remember them in your prayer? Oh, absolutely. And then the, uh, it's important to mourn with those who mourn. And no matter if you're Democrat or Republican or you think it's some kind of conspiracy or, or gun controls not in control or whatever you think politically, it's not really the time to go into that and to plaster that all over every prayer request for the families. This is just not helping anybody. So um, just just keep it on the families, focus on the families and the kids and, you know, being there for them and praying for them and instead of making it a political thing, everybody out there. Um, I'm glad you said that. I'm sorry, not to interrupt. I'm so glad you said that. That so needed to be said. So thank you. Uh, Yeah, it was my Facebook post today. Um, So you can kind of guess just what I'm saying. The tragic school shooting in Texas should include sadness, compassion, and a cry for justice. If the first reaction you have to hearing about 17 dead children is to rant about the political party you dislike, your new favorite conspiracy, or your new favorite conspiracy theory, there's something is seriously wrong in your priorities and motivations, and I don't care which party you blame it on. And I quoted the verse, mourn with those who mourn, doesn't care if you're mourning alongside a donkey or an elephant. So, uh, yeah, we got to just mature out of some, some things, especially when people are hurting and people need us and we're ignoring them to politicize and just, you know, just be mature about things and not be compassionate. That's what Yahweh asked you to comfort the families. I mean, Melissa and I are both parents. I can only imagine how much that hurts. So just help them heal, help them to find some comfort in the chaos, uh, help them to be surrounded with good people that care about them and what they're going through and protect them from political agendas and uh, news reporters that are trying to get famous and just all the ways people come in and exploit these kind of things. I ask you to uh, families in Buffalo as well recently. Um, there was just like two or three days before. Just uh, protect the families, comfort the families, um, help somehow use this terrible thing for a good purpose to bring them to you. And just please fill our schools with your spirit and your truth and your presence uh, so that we don't have more of these and just ask you to you know restore leadership and morality and and fathers in homes and just the general love for our neighbor that's been missing for several decades now just amen. amen 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 so thank you for that prayer, Brian, and thank you again for everything that you do for our ministry and for the kingdom. I just appreciate you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners. We could not do this without you. So again, for every like and share that we get on social media, for every listen, thank you guys so much. Um, if there's anything that we can do for any of our listeners, and it's just a reminder for any topic that you would like us to cover, whether it be something to provide commentary on, or whether it's even a dream that you would like to have uh, on air for an anonymous interpretation, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we have our Facebook page, which seems to be the most popular way uh, to get in, in touch with us. So you can find uh, the podcast page at Shalom Letters 
on Facebook. Um, then I also, I have two pages. I have my personal page and then I have my fan page. So both are under just Melissa Collins. Uh, then Brian has both his Psalm 16 ministry page and his personal page as well. So Brian, real quickly, do you want to go over uh, all the other ways that they can contact you, find your website, uh, and yes. then even if they feel led to donate to support some of our outreach, uh, how they would be able to do that? Absolutely. And we really need donations, to be honest, because at the website, at the monthly fee, uh, you went to Ava, Missouri, that's five hours away. Eight. Um, eight, eight hours away. So five hours one way, pretty much. Uh, you know, you and Chad, all that stuff with the homeless outreach and just time, equipment. I mean, just everything costs money and it would also cost time. Like, I'm not working a part time job after my regular job right now because we're doing this so much. So, this is like a part time job. So, you feel like to donate even $5. Like, you know, if you would see us in person and buy us a cup of coffee, you know, just even $5 helps out. It adds up. And uh, if you're looking for like our hub like let's talk shalom.com is kind of the hub for all of our ministry stuff uh, melissa's link for hugging homeless is there and then the podcast link is there and my tv show is there and some books i've written are there too and there is a link to our resource library which is just a hundred or so plus pages of uh youtube videos and books and articles by other people that are just helpful like depression anxiety addiction learning about the feast you know, learning about Jesus was Jewish, all that stuff's on there on their resource library link through all these different resources you can find from other people. They're all categorized by subject. So anyway, let's talk shalom.com. You can donate there. You can watch the TV show. You can listen to podcasts. You can uh, support the homeless outreach. You can find the books I wrote. You can find our library. And there's also Dream uh, My Life Coaching link is on there. If you'd like some life coaching, it's $30 uh, for 30 minutes. Uh, but it's usually life-changing 99% of the time, and the first one is free, so you can try it out. And uh, let's talk shalom.com is kind of our little hub for everything, and you can also email me through that too, and that's where we're going to have the calendar as well. Good job. That's a lot of information. <laughs> thank yes. you so much for covering all of that. So again, uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you to all of our listeners. We just pray that uh, God will continually bless you and keep you and his face shine upon you. So until next time, Shalom. Talk Shalom.